This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode 176. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey there, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Michael Blanc. I'm super excited that you're here to learn about apartment building investing, the best way to become financial free with real estate. Uh, and one of the things I was really excited about at DealMaker Live we had a few weeks ago in Dallas. Oh, gosh, what an event that was. I'm, it's like I remember it as if it was yesterday. But we passed out these first DealMaker coins. They look like this. And the first deal, as you guys know, is so super, super important because once you do your first deal, that second and third will follow in rapid, almost automatic succession. That is the law of the first deal. So we handed that out to about 16 people at the event, and there's about another 10 or so that couldn't make it, so we're going to mail those out. That's 25 people that have done their first deals, at least that I know about. And then we handed out a handful of these Financial Freedom Hall of Fame coins. And these are for people who have quit their jobs. And this is what really lights me up. That's really my mission. My goal really is to help a thousand people become financially free. And this is a, a step in the in the right direction. And so one of the most popular podcasts we have is people who have done exactly that. We want to know how do they do it? How do they get started? How do they transition out of their job? And more importantly, how is their life different now? And the observation I have is that people who are financially free, after a certain sense of confusion, they try to figure out what their significance and legacy is. And that's what it says on the back of this coin. It has a compass rose on the back or a true north. And the challenge once you're financially free is to figure out how can you live a life of significance and legacy? That's what it says in the back. So today, today's guest is Andrew Kuhn, and he's done exactly that. He quit his job about two months ago now. He's also one of our mentors, and, and he's, so he's mentoring other people to help them become financial free with, with real estate. So we're going to kind of dive into his journey, see how he's done that. And one of the things in the interview that obviously that came up was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It made a huge difference in my life. As you guys know, I got into, I quit my job and tried to pursue passive income and financial freedom with restaurants which failed miserably lost all my money and i clawed my way out with with real estate and and, and single family house investing like so many other people before i figured out the insanity of it and switched to multifamily. so rich dad really made a huge difference in my life so i'm curious i want to know what difference did rich dad make in your life now, there's two ways to reach out to me. One is Instagram, one is Facebook. So Instagram is uh, my handle is the Michael Blanc and it's the same thing on Facebook. It's the Michael Blanc and just post a picture of yourself uh, with or without Rich Dad and share a paragraph of what difference it has made for you. We do have a private Facebook group. Just search for Apartment Investor Network. That's ours as well. And the advantage of that is that you can easily post anything you want to that group and that might be easier to do. So Apartment Investor Network on Facebook. And the conversation is hot and heavy there. It's, uh, it's oh my gosh, several thousand, almost 10,000 people in that group. So the discussion is really good. And we have about a dozen of our senior advisors in that. So ask away and share what difference Rich Dad, Poor Dad has made for you. Awesome. I'm really excited now to get an interview with Andrew Kuhn. Here we go. Andrew, welcome to the show today. Hey, thank you, Michael, for having me on. This is so cool. Now, you've been, you've been a full-time multifamily investor for how long? Actually, just about a month or so. I have been investing in real estate for the last 13, 14 years. But literally, I bought my first rental in 2006. I was 22 years old. I bought it with credit cards. I was renting an apartment myself. It was, I did everything wrong, right? I made every mistake. But uh, anyways, over the last 13 or 14 years, 
focused in the single family space. And then literally about a year and a half to two years ago, I came across you, I came across your program and kind of just some of the guys who had success with it. And I realized that that was where I needed to be with multifamily space. And so over the last, you know, year and a half, I've built up a sizable portfolio with some decent deals and uh, enough to walk away from the daytime jobs. That's cool. What were you doing? What was your daytime job? Yeah, so that's actually a good question because that's part of the reason uh, why it took so long for me to leave. So for the last 14 years, I've been in medical device sales, which basically means I go into the operating room on a daily basis and supervise surgeries to make sure implants get put in correctly. As you can imagine, that's a, that's a highly compensated position, uh, you know, where incomes in the three, $350,000, $400,000 range are normal. And so you can imagine with golden parachutes and golden handcuffs and all the benefits and perks, how hard it was to make this decision to walk away. But as anybody knows, when they start digging into investment real estate, realizing that the true wealth is created by building a portfolio value, building the income streams, no matter the day-to-day income, totally outweighs that. Yeah, when you play the rich dad, the poor dad cash flow game, right? When you grab the attorney car, you're like, oh, this is going to it's going to take a while. On the yeah. other hand, when you pull the uh, janitor tab, you're like, oh, I'll be out here about an hour and a half. So yeah. so one of the main <laughs> challenges of being highly compensated is yes, you have more resources, but on the other hand, you have typically higher expenses in most in most cases. Correct. And it's interesting I observe that sometimes where people leave their job, some people leave their job before they even have their first deal. They're like they burn the boats and they go at it. Some people wait a really long time because the idea of letting go of this, you know, this quote guaranteed income is really scary, even though they get a bunch of passive income coming in. What were some of the challenges that you went through, you know, conversations with, you know, your spouse, friends about exactly the timing of when to quit? Absolutely. So great question. Basically, um, and actually one of the other cards that would be difficult on cashless if you pulled the single family card. And what I mean by that is from 2009 to 2017 or 18, I've purchased probably about 80 to 90 homes. We currently have 76 single families with one business partner. And really what happened was I was hitting a limit. I was hitting that ceiling of complexity where I couldn't scale my business larger. Um, and so, and as you know, single family landlording is a highly inefficient business. I had a business partner, so I was really more of a supervisory lord war in a financing role. So that was really one of those things that uh, was a big deal on the front end. Since that time, in the last 18 months, I've done six deals, uh, 281 units, and I now have another 73 under contract in two separate deals currently as we talk. Overall though, the big things that I recommend to people, so I took a, a strategy, there's an author named Michael Masterson, Mark Ford. And he wrote a book and he talked about being a chicken entrepreneur. And it was kind of the, the strategy of keeping a day job while work grinding and working your nighttime hustle on the weekends, you know, and then eventually you'll be able to remove yourself. Now that process has been slower. And when we get into my history a little bit, I'll tell you, I'll explain why I say that. But at the same time, I would say it was more of a steady climb. And some of my friends who had experienced that went full-time real estate investing, you know, right out of school. A couple other things to, to set yourself up for success. If I were at the beginning phases, I'm in my job, I'm listening to this podcast, I'm like, yep, this is me, I want to do it. I would make sure that the individuals get really, really specific on their strategies for exit. And so what I mean by that is, if you can pay off all personal debt, 
if you can pay off your personal residence, save a reserve of at least 12 months, preferably 24 months, and really start to put the wheels in motion. Because, you know, I mean, it only took 13 years for my quote unquote overnight success. And so it takes a while going that route, but doing these types of things and putting them in place and having conversations with my wife, you know, six, eight, 10 months ago, really, really helped because she's been awesome. She's been incredibly supportive, which is great. Uh, And now she wants me to work her out of her day job to come work in a business as well. So (laughs) the pressure's on. That's great. What was your last day uh, at work like? So last day at work, actually, I had a training course and it was kind of interesting because so like I mentioned, I, I spend most of my time in the hospitals, in the operating rooms or the cardiac catheterization labs where they treat people who have heart attacks or something called interventional radiology. And um, we did a training course basically with one of my physicians. It was a new course. I had people flying from out of town. Uh, it was this whole big to do. And it was probably both a good way to leave because my best friend and manager at the company was there. Uh, but at the same time, it was kind of stressful because I think a lot of people would rather just exit and not have to do anything the last two weeks rather than finish it to the end. But I'll tell you the lesson in that is that I learned early on, it's pretty easy to get 95% in life. It's that last 5% when your mind's telling you you want to quit or can coast or take it easy, that those who can keep driving to completion they're the ones who are ultimately successful. And so I, you know, I, I take that extreme ownership and, and, you know, try to own it in all areas of my life. Were your colleagues, uh, I mean, what, what, what was, what was the reaction by your colleagues? Did, were they, yeah. were they shocked? Were they curious? No. Like, what was that like? <laughs> no, great, great question. So actually quite a few were jealous. And the interesting thing is, is so field sales based, whatever you're selling, whatever widget you're selling is kind of nice because you have a good bit of autonomy. Uh, you set your own schedule. It's results oriented. It's very entrepreneurial in and of itself. So over the last you know decade or so, I've talked to a lot of friends, and they find out I'm in real estate and go to personal development seminars and all that stuff. And several of them have started buying portfolios themselves. And so the interesting thing is, is they're like, "Well, I'm not there yet to that scale, but that's my goal." And so it's been kind of cool to see the other guys. Uh, the other reaction has been like, "Well, if you need any more investors, let me know." Uh, so I've had a, both colleagues and physicians and that type of thing because there's there's an abundance of money out there for a good deal. There is. So what's your, what's your life like now? How is it different than before? <laughs> <laughs> no. So so the interesting thing, I honestly work way more, but I'll tell you what. So Jim Rohn is famous for talking about the seasons of life, right? And he talks about spring, summer, winter, fall, and when you do the work and when it's time for renewal and everything. Uh, But basically, the takeaway from that is, is I am aware that I am in what I call the grinder phase of my career, right? So I, you know, 280 apartments, you know, 100-ish houses, whatever. Um, But, you know, I'm not going to stop till I'm at 10,000, 20,000 plus. I have the, actually the good fortune, I should say, of, you know, I joined our local association. I joined our local chapter of Entrepreneurs Organization. I went all in uh, and started providing value to others, right? And just be a servant leader. And so basically, uh, it's been really cool because I've got to meet over the last 12 months, uh, two individuals with over 25,000 unit portfolios and one individual with over 60,000 unit portfolios, complete owner operators, 
been doing it a long time, obviously, but it shows you what is possible, right? And as long as you can see that model of what is possible, it gives you a big, hairy, you know, goal to go after. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Now you joined our coaching program as one of our coaches. And yeah. there's, you know, there's, it's interesting, there's a lot of successful people out there, but very few of them are actually really love teaching others. Now, what is it at that, you know, you kind of grab and we obviously we had this conversation, but what is it about teaching others that lights you up? No, great question. So I think it really roots down to my value system as a little kid. Uh, there were two things I wanted to be when I grew up. Number one was a brain surgeon because they make the most. Uh, or at least I thought as a six-year-old. Uh, and then the second thing I wanted to be was a teacher, but I knew I had to build my wealth before I could give back. I was fortunate enough to have some very good teachers who really made an impact on my life early on, both in my you know primary education and my secondary education. And it really was a good example of how certain individuals can change your life. Uh, and so, you know, being the perpetual student, uh, mindset, you know, I realized that if I can condense the things that I've spent the last 15 years learning and assist others to speed their acceleration up, it's a win-win, right? Because I reinforce my learning, but at the same time, I get to give back and give value and that type of thing. And that's why, really why I said yes and thought it would be a great idea to, to help out. What are some of your, uh, what are one or two people that you uh, kind of consider your mentors that you've learned from? And how do they kind of make a difference in your life? Great question. So, you know, I'll split it up into a couple of different areas. In the personal development and motivation space, uh, the greats, as funny as you know, Kyle Wilson, the longtime business partner of Jim Rohn was there. Uh, Kyle and I spent easily over an hour talking about the amazing human being Jim Rohn was. He truly was a national treasure. Uh, he has since passed, but if you go back, you can find a lot of his uh, recordings on YouTube and, you know, online. And he is a phenomenal speaker with a phenomenal delivery. And they're just timeless value lessons. Uh, you know, Zig Ziglar and Dale Carnegie and all those old guys from what I consider, quote unquote, the original guys were definitely motivational in that sense. Today, as far as real estate goes, uh, and I'll get into this in a second, but Robert Kiyosaki is out there for his books. Uh, and I'll explain how that plays in, in a second. But basically... You know, I like to, I'm a data aggregator. So I, I like to consume a lot of people's information, go deep on the fact finding, and then really parse out a couple guys. Like, to be honest, when I first started apartment investing, I loved your business because of the fact that you had one of the most comprehensive deal analyzers I've seen. And I have plenty of friends in the real estate development space, and we all share, you know, pro formas and, and analyzers and stuff. And it was one of the most well done, well thought out programs I've seen, uh, as well as your book and your online program. Like I bought them all, right? I was a student first. And so that's one thing that I would definitely have to say. So I, I, I never really got to thank you publicly, but thank you, Michael, as, as you have been very helpful. Well, I appreciate that, uh, Andrew. The check is in the mail, I guess. <laughs> so, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, this is the book that, that clearly screwed up my life. I uh, lost millions because of it. Daggone it. But because it made such a profound difference in my life when I realized that it wasn't how much money I'm earning, how much money I have in the bank, but it's about passive income. And, and I can always consider myself a pretty smart guy. And when I read that book, I felt like a complete idiot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad. What, what difference did the purple book make for yeah. you? Yeah. So, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is what I call the light bulb for me at least. It was the book that I first read to turn the lights on. And so the backstory behind that is I was a pre-med 
and finance dual major with a minor in marketing. My deal was I was going to be a physician, but I was going to have a good business sense. And so I was fortunate enough to play college athletics and our team surgeon, I asked to shadow him for a week during my junior year. During that time, I saw enough to you know, persuade me away from the medical profession as an operator. But literally that same year, I had a friend who actually I met through, I think it was a rich dad form actually, who was in New Jersey at the time. He was a year older than me and he was getting ready to go to law school. And he read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and of course blew up his life plans. Uh, his name's Artem Templer and now he's doing, you know, $250 million of development in the LA and West Hollywood area. Uh, so anyways, Artem was kind of like my virtual you know, cohort that I would share. And so he mailed me a copy of that book and, and told me to buy some of Jim Rohn's CDs. And really, those were the first things that got the wheels going and really made me diverge off into, okay, I'm going to move to another state. So I, I'm based in the Metro Detroit, Michigan area. Um, I'm not originally from there. I'm originally from Ohio. But at 21 years old, you know, I was looking around the country trying to figure out what markets a 21-year-old with no connections, no knowledge, no money to figure something out. And it wasn't a plane right away. And I'm like, well, Detroit sounds good. <laughs> so long, long story short, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was basically the fundamental beginning. And quite honestly, it's the very first book I have people read when they ask me, what type of materials they should consume if they want to go down this route. So that and cash flow quadrant. Yeah, those are those are great books. Any other books you recommend? Oh yes. Um as you guys can see I'm a big reader. Like this is <laughs> I can't see is, this. Yeah, that's just nothing. I'm in my office right now. I have a actually a library in my house, a wall full of books. Of course being a reader and actually I enjoy hard books. I have a, I have an issue with reading online. I feel like I get <laughs> the tactile feedback engagement of it. But, you know, there are a couple, both personal and real estate books. Yours is great. Uh, you know, at the same time, general real estate books, talking about business management. Michael Gerber's E-Myth is great. Gino Wickman with the whole traction book program. And then also EOS for entrepreneurs that are trying to build their company is really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But so is, you know, Vern Harnish and Gazelles. And uh, I'm currently being coached by Dan Sullivan with Strategic Coach. And it was another one of those things that like are really, really making a difference. So, you know, again, it's the concept and it's very, very simple, but basically going out, paying for your education, investing in yourself and accelerating, you know, the momentum in your business and in your life. So. Yeah, it's interesting. You just mentioned kind of education. You're reading a lot. Yeah. What is kind of your, the, you think the methodology for mastering something new, right? Because people start, you know, they read stuff or they, or they, you know, look at YouTube videos. Well, I mean, how should someone go about really mastering something new, such as apartment building investing, but it could be anything really? No, absolutely. So a couple of things I, I would advise on that. So if you are brand new to a topic and we'll just use real estate investing because it's easy. First, I would start out and I would get educated. I would start reading books. I would go online. The internet is, you know, one of those amazing double-edged swords where everything's on the internet, but it can also, everything is on the internet. And so, you know, that's a good free resource. Uh, start networking. If you're going to be in real estate investing, most uh, metros have a, actually multiple investor clubs and RIAs. Start going to the events. Start talking to other people. And also put some goals out for yourself. Like less than 1% of people actually write their goals down. 
uh, and visualize them, review them, that type of thing. And so when you get real clarity on your goals, uh, you'll find out that it's something you can be successful at. And so I'll give you a perfect example. So one of my mentors is John Schaub, who's down in Florida. He's a single family guy, been doing this a long time, amazing human being. John has a book called uh, Making a Lit Big on Little Houses and then I think Getting Rich One House at a Time or something like that. But anyways, I think I just butchered that. But long story short is his philosophy was, John's philosophy was basically set a goal by one house a year and after 20 years, you'll have your portfolio of 20 houses, a couple million dollars worth of real estate, good cash flow. Half of them almost be paid off. Honestly, you can do that with a full-time job. You can do that with two full-time jobs. And so, you know, set your goals, get clear on them, and then dive into the research, but you also have to do. And, and so one thing I would caution individuals on is because I'm just as guilty as anybody, I enjoy being learning, basically, being educated. And so what happens is, is you can fall into a trap of procrastinating because you're constantly consuming more information. So with all the education that you're learning, you need to actually coincide that with massive action to get momentum in the actual business itself. And everybody's met someone like this. You've gone to a conference and they're like, yeah, I was at this one, this one, this one, this one. And they name off like eight conferences and they've read everybody's book and you listen to everybody's podcast and yet they haven't done a deal. And the actual act of doing investment real estate will teach you more than any book ever would. You know, you want to supplement it obviously that accelerate your speed, but at the same time, getting out there, taking action, making some mistakes, you know, they call real estate investing the school of hard knocks, right? And so when you make the uh, mistakes, they're usually pretty costly. And so, but I'll tell you what, you learn those lessons and you never repeat them again. So. Yeah, it's, it's very true. It's like we just had DealMaker Live a few uh, weeks ago. And I know that most people will come back on a Sunday or Monday after the event and life will go on as if nothing happened. And that's, that's really a shame because it was an awesome event. Lots of energy, lots of content there. But if you don't actually apply what you've learned, if you don't take that action, it's this gap. Yeah. You know, one of the things that struck me at DealMaker Live, by the way, I was going to see what kind of your key takeaways was, but I had, you know, a good friend, Brian Burke, he's raised $100 million, you know, has a huge portfolio, but he's taken him 25 years. And you talk to him, he's like, yeah, I don't know marketing. I don't even have an email server. <laughs> <laughs> What's Facebook, right? So clearly super successful, mm-hmm. but it took him 25 years to build it versus you look at someone like a Joe Fairless or Adam Adams, Corey yeah. Peterson. You know, they've raised almost that much in three years. Yeah. And so my key takeaway, and we spent a lot of time, is my key, man, you got to, you know, we as syndicators are really in two jobs. We're in real estate investing and we're in essentially online marketing. Yeah. And that was like clear takeaway from talking to everybody there. If you don't, you can be very successful, but if you want to really scale it, you have to understand list building, websites, Facebook, podcasts, books. Like that was a really clear takeaway for me. What Anything that stood out for you? No, absolutely. And, and that's a very good point because it's funny. I struggled for years on this. Do I have a social media presence? Do I have it online? You know, and, but the reality is, is, is to compete, you have to, like, it's not even an option anymore. Uh, especially if you want to build a big investor list, you want deal flow, you establish credibility. Everybody does that through, you know, online media. And so that was a big takeaway for me as well. Another thing actually that I found great personal success in, and I just thought it was amazing that you had was Hal Elrod, uh, author of The Miracle Morning and now The Miracle Experiment. Hopefully his third book will be coming out for too long. But anyways, Hal was a phenomenal speaker. 
and the things he talks about called bookending your day, right? Uh, with the savers and, and your rituals really is a daily habit that I internalized about a year ago, actually after reading that book, to have my, have my schedule every day because I control the beginning and I control the end before the world you know, blows up your day and you find that you're the most productive during those time periods. And so you know, that, that discipline has been one that's been very valuable. And it was great hearing how, because when you hear, when you read something, you learn it at a certain percentage and a certain level. When you hear it, you add more to that retention. When you see it, you add more to that, right? And so long story short, it, it has really been impressive, the book ending he's done. Also at the conference, I would say some other big takeaways, the expert panels, where they're just talking back and forth about what they're doing now. It was so content rich of, hey, I use this vendor for this and this for this and this for this. Like those are the things that you only get at the, you know, the high level mastermind meetings, you know, yeah. 10 plus. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. The couches, we had these couches on the stage, it looked like a living room and I had like my, you know, seven closest friends in there. And at one point I remember, I don't know, during one of the panels, I ripped up my notebook and I'm sitting on stage talking to these, asking them and they're bantering back and forth. I'm, I'm like taking notes like that. It was that good. I was like, oh, I said, are you guys getting this like amazing? I mean, getting, it was truly amazing. But yeah, Miracle Morning really made a big difference in my life. And the Miracle Equation is the book he's got out now. And that is, I would say, you know, equal to the Miracle Morning. So if you guys have not read either of those books, you got to get those right now. And Hal, he's just a great person in person great speaker, really great guy. So it's one of those things where you're kind of like, why should I bring a someone who has nothing to do with multifamily? But, you know, interesting enough during the feedback, that's the one thing that stood out because of that. Yeah. Now, back to your story a little bit. It seems okay. to me, Andrew, you might be a little bit of a slow learner yeah. uh, because... <laughs> 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 uh, because it took you 15 years and most people yeah. when they you know when they build a portfolio of you know of 10 15 single family houses they yeah. understand the insanity of it yeah. and most of them quit yeah. or go immediately into multifamily because it's so painful some very few create their own property management company you for some reason kept on going till 80 or yeah. so i'm curious and not that you regret any of this stuff because it makes us the person that we are right now but if you were to have a conversation with your younger self you know 12 years ago what would you do differently if anything no no great question so i would actually and i've thought about this a lot uh and i've been asked this question before usually you know i get occasional people that'll email me want to go to coffee that type of thing once a month or so and uh one of the things i always tell them is you know when i'm telling my story that the fact that I took longer than I should have to start engaging in the multifamily space to scale to the size of business I truly wanted to own and operate. And so really I did waste some time, I guess you would call it, but part of it is, and this is the interesting thing for your, for your listeners who still have a, a day job at W2. It's easy to get comfortable in life. And when you mm. get comfortable in life, you settle for good enough, right? Wow. So. Yeah you need to get used to and you really need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's where true greatness, that's where, where true growth happens. And so that has been one thing that I tell people is like, be aware of yourself, be aware of how your life is living. Don't get me wrong. I've had a, an amazing life. I married an amazing wife. I have an awesome, like absolutely incredible two-year-old daughter. We built our dream house. We paid it off. We traveled the world. We did all these things, right? Like check, 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 check. But at the same time, 
I realized that during that time, I could have been much farther ahead and I lost out on that opportunity cost because I stayed in the single family space for, for so long. That's good advice. That is really good because most of your growth happens outside your comfort zone. And yeah, sometimes if you, have, if you have a good thing going, you know, why change it? But, yeah. you know, and that's true. I mean, I, I, don't, I think you need to be content with, with what you have on the one hand. But I, my observation is that if you stay in your comfort zone for too long, you almost gain complacent. Yeah. And you stop growing. It was like in back of my restaurant days, I was complacent for like three and a half years. I, I didn't visit like a restaurant in two years. I would come over there and one of my managers goes, who, you know, talking to my manager who managed all the restaurants, who's this guy talking about me? And he goes like, oh, that's the owner. And I thought, I thought you were the owner, <laughs> right? And so that was an extreme case of complacency. Yeah. I think we should enjoy what we have, but only for a certain period of time, right? I, I think, I think, yeah, so that's really good. So what is kind of... Where's kind of your growth zone right now? Like, where's where do you want to be? Yeah. What's kind of uncomfortable for you? Yeah, so so one thing I really want to just touch on real quick that you were talking about being comfortable. There's a guy named Ed Milet, another what I would call the next generation personal development guys out there, has amazing content. He talks about something called being blissfully dissatisfied. And basically what that means is enjoying the now, enjoying the moment, really internalizing it uh, and being quote unquote happy with your life. But at the same time, never being satisfied with where you are currently, right? And so you, as long as you start incorporating a belief system of continual improvement uh, and working better, you're going to scale up. So, so right now in the phase of my career that I'm in, basically, I'm looking to syndicate larger deals, basically in the Michigan market and the Ohio market currently. Um, and, and then also, I'm building out my own property management company. Now, I know that's not the... I mean, I got my broker's license earlier this year, but basically a lot of individuals think that's better to outsource and manage, which is totally fine. Um, but I'm a detailed person. I'm a nitty gritty. And honestly, the one thing I took from my single family days was I knew the market and the business so much better when I was the manager until when I got too many and had to pass them off. And so really it comes down to I'm establishing a company, looking for a retail location and continuing to, to hunt out deals wherever I can. So. What's some uh, a major aha moment you had over your career? There have been numerous ones. You know, um, early on, it was that I actually let me let me back up because there's a good there's a good lesson here, and it's just happened in the last six months. But I was doing a, an online assessment, a personality thing, and I was reflecting on my past, and I realized that the first mountain or the first dream I ever had was wanting to be a physician. And by proxy, I, I was able to fulfill that, being in the environment, consulting them, you know, that type of thing, and trying to bring value. Then I realized that once I had fulfilled that dream, that now it was time to go to the second mountain, right? There's a book called The Second Mountain about it. But basically, a new dream, a bigger dream, uh, truly my dreams, because what we find when we, when we reflect back, uh, a lot of uh, our first dream in life wasn't even our own our parents or it was whatever it was just something you know and so but people will spend their life and their time which is more valuable than money because you can never get it back doing that and so continual awareness has been a big thing you know they say discipline wears out but you know i find that the more successful you are the more disciplined people are they tend to have more rules and, and kind of guidelines for their life that's been a big takeaway for me also really kind of focusing on the business owner and the investor quadrants 
and sitting here going, how can I remove active income and build up passive income, right? Because it, it's kind of like George's Fossen with the, uh, the richest man in Babylon, right? And so you want to put your shekels to work for you to make more. Why would you kill the goose that lays the golden eggs, right? You want to take those golden eggs, hatch them into more gooses, and then maybe second generation, you know, you can kind of do that. And so actually Robert Kiyosaki talks about that. He's like, I buy investments two levels deep before I use the cash flow to buy liabilities and toys and all that stuff. And so that was really one of those early things I heard that, that really set in and made me think about strategically, you know, when you're building your company, how you go about it, you know, and, and the choices you make. So. Yeah, at DealMaker Live, we were giving away these uh, these coins. If you remember, there's these blue ones. These are financial freedom coins, actually the Freedom Hall of Fame coins. Yeah. And on the front, it says financial freedom has got an eagle on it. Mm-hmm. And on the back, it's got a compass rose, right? And it's basically the challenge on the back is once you're financially free, finding your true north. And at the top, it says significance and legacy. And you know, now that you're on the financial free side of it, yeah. what do you think is your legacy? So that's a good question. So I'm actually just now entering the phase where I'm starting to think about uh, significance, legacy, that type of thing. I hired a business coach this last year, which has been incredibly valuable because we got really, really clear on both my personal and business goals, values, my mission over the next 25 years, all these types of things. And really what I realized is that you know people will go through their career and not be thinking about the significance that they can play. And really my legacy was I wanted to build a company that was big enough to help more people in the world than I could otherwise. So if I can build a company with, you know, we'll just call it 10,000 units, 100 million in real estate, when your local community needs $500,000 for a new playground for the city or a new splash pad or whatever, which just happened in in my town, uh, you can do that or you can do matching grants. You can, you can help actually with mission trips like you do. I mean, you can build schools. It's a, you know, it is your responsibility. It's like he who much has been given, much is expected. And so, you know, I keep that in mind and I take a personal responsibility to leave a legacy of uh, love, of compassion, of service, of, you know, integrity, and, and really making a difference in the lives of other people. A short side story. So I got married and I had a brother-in-law. I yeah, two of them actually. But one of them uh, was in a W-2 job, in a day job. It was a retail manager. And they just really lived a very Spartan uh, existence. And so, like, never really made much money, never really thought about all that stuff, wasn't aware of debt and the good and bad of it. And so, anyways, thankfully, he was still curious enough to ask, hey, look, I see what you're doing. What can I do to get started? And so I told him about Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and all that stuff. I told him about Dave Ramsey's financial piece just, you know, your envelope money and kind of start on that because that's like your version 1.0. Since then, he's been able, he's done amazing things. I'm super proud of him. Now he's in field sales, which gives him more freedom. He's looking at his first rental. He paid off all his debt. Like he's doing these things to make his life better, right? And that is awesome because I've had people who have made a monumental difference in my life and the most rewarding thing I could do for them Let's go back. And so, you know, to be blessed enough to just be able to do that for others is, is all I could ever ask. 
and this is great. This is my my observation with people who are financially free. You know, they'll maybe buy a bunch of stuff, go on vacation a lot, and then at one point they're gonna go, hey. What else is there in life? Yeah. And most of them will figure out, hey, how can I help others? And clearly you're on that same path as well. And that's that's really cool. Andrew, how can people connect with you? No, thank you. Great question. So basically, there are a couple ways you can find me. Uh, my name is Andrew Kuhn. That's K-U-H-N. So you can visit me at our website if you're interested in the business model itself. Uh, that's Kuhn Real Estate, K-U-H-N Real Estate.com. Uh, you can also reach me at andrew.coon at coonrealestate.com is my, my business email address. Uh, and then I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Instagram and, and Facebook and, and all the other online platforms. Andrew, so cool that you were here on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Michael. So Andrew Kuhn is now one of our full-time mentors, meaning that he can mentor you to quit your job with apartment buildings. And he's one of a half a dozen full-time multifamily investors who, by the way, are hard to find. The way I find him is through the podcast. And, and sometimes I interview him and they obviously know what they're doing. They own several hundred units. They're still syndicating and they're nice guys and they love my passion for teaching, as you saw Andrew does. So if you want to work with Andrew or people like Andrew, check us out at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. You can can schedule a free strategy session with us and see if mentoring is right for you. And I was just really excited about it. And of the 15, 16 awards, first deal dealmaker awards we gave out, about 10 of them were mentoring students. Now, I do believe you don't necessarily need mentoring to be successful. With enough persistence, everyone will be successful. But my observation is that our mentoring students, they are really doing deals fast. And those deals are bigger than they would have elsewise. And that's because of the network we have and the knowledge you're getting and the support they're getting from someone who's done this before. You know, when you're hemming and hawing on a 50 unit deal and you're working with someone like an Andrew who goes 50 units, guy, it's really kind of small. You're like, wait, it is? It's huge for me. Yeah, it's really small. You can do much better than that. And by the way, even if you if you do a 100 plus unit deal, believe it or not, you can raise money easier. I can? Oh yeah, it's, it's not really that hard. Let me help you. And it really, it really expands your comfort zone when that happens. So I was just really, really, really proud of the people up on that stage and a lot of them were mentoring students. So if you think that's right for you, check it out at themichaelblock.com forward slash mentor as well. Another thing we did is we talked a lot about joint venturing at Dealmaker Live. That was a common theme in addition to building your brand, but the joint venturing is really, really powerful. We had these stickers on where it said deal finder if you're a deal finder, capital raiser if you're a capital raiser, or pass and investor if you're a past investor, right? You can do one or more of those as well. But what was really cool about that is the different ways you can get started with the apartment buildings, right? So you can, uh, but it was clear that it's a team sport. So don't think in your mind that it's something you have to do on your own, nor should you. People who do things on their own take a lot longer than if you joint venture with somebody. So this is the same for passive investors as well. We had about 40% of passive investors that were there because we talked a lot about how do you passively invest, what to be careful for, because passive investing is really attractive. The returns are really good. They're better than anything else, certainly for the stock market. So if you're interested in investing with us, our company is called Nighthawk Equity, and we're at nighthawkequity.com. Just go to that website, nighthawkequity.com, and click on join to join our investor club. And what will that will do, you fill out a very short form, and you can schedule a call with us. And our investor relations person is Bronson Hill. He's a great guy. He actually opened us in prayer at Dealmaker Live, believe it or not, and that was really powerful. Great guy. You'll be talking to him. And we'd love to have you on board if you're considering investing passively. All right, guys. Hope you found that valuable. Catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. 
There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.